A very special edition of the Locked on Giants podcast is coming your way next. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked on Giants podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trena. Happy to have you with us again. Thank you for making the Locked on Giants podcast your first listen. And on today's show, I'm doing something a little bit different. Now, to give you a little background for those of you who are maybe new listeners or aren't familiar with my work or my Twitter account or whatnot, I usually try and plan uh, shows, various topics for you uh, in advance. And I have my staples, my usual staples, my reviews with David Turner after a game, Twitter Tuesday, uh, crossover Thursday, and so forth. Today, I wanted to do something different because let's face it, the Giants have had a rough start to their season, a rough three weeks. So this particular show covers a story that I've actually wanted to do now for over a year. And that story, speaking of rough, has to do with the Animal Rescue Foundation founded by Logan Ryan and his wife, Ashley. And the reason why I wanted to do this show is not to be preacher or anything like that. But for those who don't know, for 14 years, I had the privilege of sheltering and loving a rescue dog by the name of Molly, who basically is and always will be my fur baby. And last month on August 13th, I was with Molly when she took her last breath. She basically died of old age and it left me devastated. So being that Molly is a rescue dog or was a rescue dog, um, I wanted to do something for the various animal shelters um, that took care of dogs. Now, the the particular shelter that we got Molly from, unfortunately, closed down years ago. So Ashley and Logan Ryan have a foundation called the Ryan Animal Rescue Foundation. The website is www.rarf.org. And I was always intrigued by, you know, what drove, them to want to set up the foundation, what the foundation did, and so on and so forth. So I reached out and Ashley, who is fantastic, she's a dynamo, a mom, um, not just of two children, but I think she mentioned she had two dogs and a couple of rats on top of everything. I think she called it a Noah's Ark. But anyway, Ashley founded this uh, organization and spoke about her work with the Ryan Animal Rescue Foundation and how she and Logan kind of put this together. And, you know, for me, the interview that you're about to see was not only therapeutic, but just reassuring because again, you know, I know we all get caught up in football and we look at the Giants record and we say, gosh, you know, can it get any worse? I don't know what the future is going to hold for the Giants and we will get back to, to talking football. I promise you, we will get back to it, but as a diversion, as something different. This was a story I really wanted to do, and I wanted to do it for a long time. And I finally had the opportunity. 
to sit with Ashley, who was most generous with her time, gave me a good half hour worth of, uh, uh, of uh, information. And then we spent easily another, I want to say 20 minutes, just kind of me pouring my heart out to her about the loss of Mar- Molly and, and the memories. And she was terrific. So coming up, I'm going to play that interview uh, for you. And um, I know some of you who are aware that, you know, when I lost Molly, you, were, you wrote in, you sent your condolences, and I appreciate all that. Those of you who are watching, if you appreciate animals, if you have ever loved or harbored an animal, check out the Ryan Animal Rescue Foundation's website, rarf.org. And um, they're really doing some great things. And um, coming up, I've got that interview with Ashley. I hope you enjoy it as much as I, I did. And um, thank you for letting me do this show, for tuning in and uh, getting my mind off of football and onto something that, to, to me, I think is just resonated with me. So that interview with Ashley is coming up next. All right, Giant fans, we have much more coming up on today's show. But first, did you know that the Lachlan Giants podcast is currently running a weekly pick'em pool? That's right. Thanks to our friends at runyourpool.com, the premier sports pool hosting service. We've got a weekly competition going on right now to see who is the king or queen of the pick'ems. And did you know that it's not too late to set up your own customized pool? It's fast and it's easy. And right now, when you visit runyourpool.com, and use our special promo code locked on. You will get $10 off your custom pool. Check them out, get your pool set up, and start enjoying competing with your friends, family, and colleagues at runyourpool.com. Ashley, tell me a little bit about how you basically fell into falling in love with dogs. I mean, everybody has a has an origin. What's your origin? Yeah, so I, I mean, I grew up with family dogs. Um, we had a, a pit bull Rottweiler mix, mix named Riley that she was our baby. Um, but it really wasn't until after college that I, you know, I graduated from Rutgers. I had played softball there and I moved up to New England with Logan when he got drafted. And I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had graduated with this double major and these degrees and I I didn't know what I wanted to do with it. I think it's a common thing. A lot of people go through it. Um, And I kind of stayed around, you know, what I knew was softball. I played softball my whole life. I played in college. So I started coaching, giving lessons, and I was doing that in New England, um, personal training. And that's kind of where I found my place for a little bit, but it just didn't feel like what I wanted to do forever. You know, I was, I was kind of past that point. So eventually I, I randomly was looking at job postings and, you know, Logan and I were boyfriend, girlfriend at the time we weren't engaged, we weren't married. And I really was new. We were both new to the NFL life and I didn't, I refused to rely on Logan's career and his money and any of that. I was going to go do something on my own and not that animal welfare makes a ton of money and could have supported it many people <laughs> but I ended up applying for a job at an animal shelter in Providence and I got the job and I didn't tell anybody obviously who Logan was I was kind of just low-key to myself and I started literally started from the bottom I was cleaning kennels walking dogs doing all the you know doing dishes and litter boxes like all the gross work that really is what sheltering is all about that's what I was doing and I I didn't mind it like you know that stuff doesn't bother me. Um, 
and in this shelter, I kind of just learned the ins and outs of how animal rescue works and um, what these different words mean, what this shelter does compared to this one and a shelter versus a rescue. And there's a lot of places you can fall within animal welfare, but I knew just from working there that that's where I wanted to be. And just being around the animals and being able to do that, I, I knew that that was, that was right for me. I just didn't know in what capacity. So I worked there for a while. Um, I didn't find it to be the best fit for, you know, where I thought I should be in animal welfare. So then I um, worked with a group locally in New England to start our own rescue. Um, and there were about five or six women on the board and we started um, the Pity Stop Rescue in New England and kind of was in from the ground up. And that's when I started doing some of the deeper work and evaluating dogs and figuring out which dogs we could pull from shelters and putting them in the appropriate foster homes. Um, and I, I became really interested in dog behavior. And that was where, that's kind of where my passion really blossomed. I really wanted to know why dogs react certain ways and why this dog does this and where this fear comes from and how we can help these dogs kind of overcome these things or maybe become more adoptable. And so I mentored with a local um, behavior consultant in Providence named Katina Jones, in my opinion, one of the best in the world. She's amazing and started to learn that aspect. And then at the end of the day, I really fell into somewhere in the middle. I, I started my own business in Tennessee um, doing behavior consulting for more difficult animals. And it was great. But the business part of it, it was I just my heart was in the shelter. I wanted to help the dogs in the shelter with the behavior issues, which, again, it's not where the money lies. So luckily, we're in a, a blessed position that I was able to kind of pursue this avenue. But that, that's where I ended up. And then eventually that transformed into our current foundation. Now, obviously, you know, being with Logan, he obviously is a dog lover, animal lover. I mean, the support that you got from him in putting together the Ryan Animal Rescue uh, Foundation. I mean, can you just speak to that? And because, you know, sometimes couples, you know, they have these grand ideas and, you know, you have to be on the same page to make it happen. Yeah, you really do. And Logan is, uh, Logan and I are both really supportive of what were each other does you know I was very I've always been supportive of his football career and he's not the kind of guy who goes to work like when he's asked and comes home first thing he's there all day he goes early he stays late he does a ton of stuff outside the facility and we've we've had to learn to support those things you know of each other's so when I was working at that shelter in Providence he would randomly come visit me this was off season in New England it was snowing it was freezing and he would come visit me bring me lunch and walk some of the dogs with me. And some, what he was seeing a lot was that there were some dogs who were staying there longer and that intrigued him. And he kind of wanted to know why we had just adopted our pit bull mix, Leo, who ended up with a, a slew of health issues. And he always wondered like, well, if we hadn't adopted Leo and been able to pay for these extensive surgeries and procedures he was having every couple of months, what would have happened? And so he was seeing these longer residents and Logan took it upon himself to be like, well, what can I do? What can I do as a player to help? And he started, we, we, we decided to post a photo each month of Logan with an adoptable dog. It was all his idea. And it was really organic and just came from him coming to have lunch with me at my, my work. And people loved it. We had waiting lists for dogs who had been in these shelters or rescues a long time. And I think from there, our, the foundation part and our, our passion towards this cause together really grew. 
we, you know, it was really just something that organically happened and just from, you know, supporting me and being in that situation and it grew into something amazing. So honestly, I don't think either of us could do this rescue work without the other. And it's, it's a nice balance. Now you have two children, I believe. So, yeah, you know, they, 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 uh, they take up a lot of your time. No, no question. Yeah. Your dogs and, and your pets, they are children to us. Yeah. I mean, As I said, have two human children. Then we have two dogs. We also have two, two fur rats. babies, right? Yeah. We're, we're, so, we're like Noah's Ark over here. Two kids, two dogs, two rats. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, the balance of, you know, a lot of people, when they first take on a dog, they're like, well, how's the dog going to fit into the family? Mm-hmm. What, what do you tell those people, you know, especially when a dog is coming from a rescue shelter you don't know what you're going to get. You know, I know when we adopted Molly, um, that poor dog, like you said, she had been used as a breeding dog. She had also been used as target practice by some mm. idiot who put two BB pellets in either of her hips. Oh, so no. she was scared of loud yeah. noises, thunder, fireworks, yeah. you name it. Mm-hmm. So when you bring an animal, especially an older animal into your house, and I don't know how old your dogs were when you brought them in, mm-hmm. but but how do you, you know, what, what would you say would be the best way to kind of integrate them into a family with children and two adults that are. I actually love this question because it's one of my favorite things to kind of talk about or, or help people prepare for. So I have, a, you know, a lot of friends and family members who are actually having babies and already have dogs. And so I'm kind of on the spectrum of working with their dogs to prepare the dogs for um, the new arrival of a new baby, which is a whole process in itself and should be handled as such. And it just makes an easier transition for everybody if you really take the time to prepare. But I think that to answer your question, a lot of people see shelter and rescue dogs as like damaged goods. And to be honest, you know, you can buy a dog from a breeder or a pet store and you don't always know what you're going to get temperament wise either. So it, to me, it's, slow and steady. That's the first thing you really have to give everybody time. And, you know, the key is you don't just open the door and let the dog come in and have free reign or let the cat come in and have free reign. It's really got to be a slow process and a lead up to build that quality relationship that you're trying to, you know, have to bring this family together. So, you know, a lot of times it's, you give shorter introductions like all right you know the dog will meet this member of the family and that member of the family and then you slowly just increase the time you're spending together and which rooms the animal has access to until it's a completely comfortable situation but it can be really overwhelming for kids dogs and then naturally the adults as well to just throw everybody together and hope it works out so slow and steady taking your time and making everything positive for everybody so, it, you know, it could be new for your kids, too. They're probably excited about the dog. But, you know, if the dog chews their shoe, <laughs> that could be an issue. So it's just making it's just trying to make sure that every or as many aspects of it as possible are positive. You reward the dog for good behavior and just foster that that really good, solid relationship from the beginning. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Now, you mentioned there's a difference between a rescue and a shelter for those people who are watching this, reading this, what is the difference and the work that the, that your foundation does just, can you talk a little bit about how you support one or both of them? Yeah, our foundation works with both. And I think that's, that is one of the things that makes us different. Um, A shelter, generally you're talking about a physical brick and mortar building where animals are, are housed. There's kennels and cages 
and staff on board who are cleaning those kennels is where I started out. And that's, that's the basic difference most of the time between shelter and rescue. Generally, rescues nowadays are foster-based. Um, so they have their dogs or cats or animals in foster homes that, you know, ideally they've matched and chosen an appropriate placement for those animals. Um, and, you know, there's, there's slight differences, but they're all considered rescue animals at the same time. You're still saving a life. You're still saving that dog. Um, but yeah, the, the biggest basic difference is a, a brick and mortar facility. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I know when we took Molly, she was actually in a, a kill shelter, mm-hmm. which, you know, one of the things I don't think a lot of people know, and I'm sure you're aware of this from your work, there is such an overcrowding of animals that for whatever reason, they've been displaced from their homes, they, they end up on the streets. And then, you know, the pound comes and gets them, puts them in these shelters. And if they're not adopted, they're put down. Yeah, that's kind of what I meant earlier when I said, I was trying to find my own place in animal welfare, you know, there's, you know, sometimes it's, it's not always the fault of that particular shelter as much as the resources that they're given access to and the visibility they're given. So we do try to promote dogs from all of these different shelters and rescue groups and different types of shelters so that, you know, sometimes it's just that that dog has remained unseen for six, eight, 10 months and nobody knows about it. But if somebody knew, and that's where we're able to kind of increase that promotion and visibility of particular dogs and animals in those all different types of shelters, rescues, and organizations. So how do you do that? I mean, how do you make people aware of these dogs and, and kind of, you know, get them interested in saying, hey, you know, these are not damaged animals. These are mm-hmm. perfectly good, you know, perfectly good pets. Yeah, our foundation, we're ever changing with, with that concept. Right now, obviously, social media is huge. And everybody posts their, their adoptable animals on websites and things like that where people can search. But you see the viral videos, you see the Facebook posts that go crazy with shares and all that stuff. And that's honestly, social media right now is the biggest way to get the word out there about particular animals. So where our foundation comes in is Logan has the platform to have a lot of social media followers. And what you see in animal welfare a lot of times is everybody's following the same organizations. You know, people who follow our foundation also follow this rescue, also follow this shelter, they're the animal people. But people who follow Logan aren't, you know, now we're talking about football fans and people from New England, Tennessee, New York, and kind of all over the place. It's just a different set of eyes. So when he promotes an animal, there's sometimes different, you know, you get different viewers, unique viewers that may not see them in these same circles that we've, we're all posting in. So, you know, we have a group with RARF that we, we work together and try to brainstorm ways to really make these animals more visible. In Tennessee, we did, um, an event called the pup rally where we had a local shelter bring puppies and adult dogs to the Titan stadium on the day that they practiced in the stadium. And it was a training camp day and fans were excited to be there. And then there's puppies and dogs. So it was great. And it was just another way to, you know, we've got to get creative because everybody's kind of doing, you know, everybody's posting on social media, everybody's doing these same things. So you'll see a lot of creativity in the, in the rescue and shelter world now about how people are trying to get the word out. And that was one of the ways that we did it. All right, giant fans, we have more coming up for you on today's locked on giants podcast. The first bill bar is a healthy, low carb, low sugar, and high protein treat that will satisfy your sweet tooth. 
choose from nine amazing flavors, plus the occasional limited time flavor available in nut and nut free varieties. Visit builtbar.com and get 15% off on your first order with the promo code LOCKED15. That's L O C K E D 1 5 at builtbar.com for 15% off your first order. Now, you know, I want to go a little deeper into the work the foundation does. I mean, sure. it's it's obviously not just throwing money at it and the name and that's it. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys are hands-on. Can you talk a little bit about the hands-on um, work that you guys do? Yeah, our, sh- our foundation is really multifaceted and it's ever-changing. We pride ourselves on knowing that animal welfare is an ever-changing field and trying to change with it. And so one of the, you know, you, you mentioned throwing money at it. And that is something technically we do. We have a really huge, good grant program that we choose specific areas of animal welfare that are not widely funded otherwise, including things like, you know, behavior, where we can help with training of animals and, you know, training staff members, things like that, developing, you know, those professional skills. So we do that. And then hands-on, we've done all kinds of different stuff. we in Tennessee, we ran vaccine clinics. COVID has really thrown a, a wrench in the in-person <laughs> hands-on stuff currently, but we ran vaccine clinics where in, you know, lower income communities where people could come, you know, people who didn't have access to these, these resources could come get their pets vaccinated. Um, meet Logan. It was really great. It was always a huge success. And they would also get spay neuter certificates to be able to spay or neuter their animal. Um, we've done that. We've done things like adoption events. Those are huge, you know, and, and sometimes with a a player, it's the name draws a lot of people out. So then you have all these people able to come see the dogs and it's really helpful. And right now we're shifting into this virtual world where we're trying to figure out ways that we can do some of these events and things virtually, but, you know, hands-on wise, we, we, we kind of sometimes keep it under wraps. Like Logan and I spend a lot of time in animal shelters and, just getting to know and building the relationships with those groups so we can figure out all the ways we can help, um, which is where things like the vaccine clinic and the pup rally come from and our bigger charity events come from is developing these relationships with shelters and rescues and figuring out how we're best suited to help them. Sometimes it's, you know, having Logan at the shelter for a day for people, you know, to draw some people in and maybe they leave with an animal. And, and sometimes it's, you know, he and I, going and just spending time at those shelters with those animals. And, you know, we like to do that in general anyway. Yeah. Shelters, you know, sometimes I've seen a couple in my time that the shelters were just, they weren't very set up that well. Um, So it sounds like some of the resources you guys are able to provide, you know, through your grants and whatnot, um, help these shelters. Now you guys have, have, you know, you started in New Jersey, you went to New England, you went down to Tennessee, you're back in New Jersey, the challenges of moving around. Can you just, how has that impacted the work you've done or has that maybe enhanced the work you've been able to do since you've, you've been in a, a larger geographic area? A little bit of both. It's definitely enhanced what we're able to do because we have, you know, once I I think it's really cool that once people follow Logan for this cause specifically, you know, something outside of football, they, they kind of remain a fan. They, they don't care how he plays. They don't care what team he's on, but they're a fan of Logan based on what work he's doing for animals. And I think that's really cool. And it's, it's got him this loyal following that has nothing to do with the sport he plays. Um, But yeah, same thing, increasing just the, the visibility and the people and we've got all these different areas now that we have these great connections with and are able to help people, you know, network, you know, shelter in the South with one in the Northeast, 
things are very different geographically. You know, a Northeast shelter deals with different issues than a shelter in the South. So we had to learn that pretty quickly and figure out kind of where we fit in. But it's really, it's really grown our grant program more than anything, because, you know, we aren't, we haven't been able to stay in one place and just run this foundation from that particular place. So we want to still help those groups and those communities that we have lived in. And we, we do feel um, we've made an impact and that they've impacted us. So we can still, though we're not living in New England and we're not living in Tennessee, we can still help the groups that we've created those relationships with and started this work in, even if just monetarily. Where would you like to see the, the Roth Foundation uh, go? I mean, it's, it's evolving, obviously, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm sure you have ideas where you'd like to see it go. So where, where do you see it going over the next you know, several years or so? Yeah, I think right now our, our biggest goal is we've, we've done a ton to help animals. We really have. And we've helped individual animals and we've helped groups of animals and organizations. But as times change and we, you know, we kind of feel the things happening in the world, whether it be a pandemic or these you know, struggles that people are going through, our biggest focus moving forward has been on helping people and pets stay together. You know, a lot of times people are quick to judge somebody who has to surrender their animal or gives their animal to a shelter. And we, we're not big believers in that. We don't think that's entirely fair because in our experience in these groups, most people surrendering their animal don't want to do it. It's they've fallen on hard times or, you know, whether it be health issues or money issues, there's something that's forcing them to make this decision. And it's, it's agonizing for them. They usually, you know, could you imagine giving up Molly? People don't want to do it. And sometimes they just feel it's their only option. And that's what we see more than anything. So our goal moving forward with our grant programs and some of our on, you know, hands-on work is to keep people and their pets together so that we're seeing less in shelters and how can we provide these resources so that people don't have to make this decision and it benefits the people, it benefits the animals. And it's, it's kind of a win all around. Yeah, I could not imagine giving up Molly. And there there were times when money got tight and mm-hmm. it was like, okay, make that decision. And it's like, yep. I don't care. I'll take on four extra jobs. Yeah. Because that's how much that dog meant to me. Yeah. And people do. People really do. They go to the ends of the earth to keep their animals. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's just, it's it's not preventable. They have to make this hard decision. And I, I don't think it's, we don't believe it's our place to make them feel worse about it. And we hope it's our place to try to help them to not have to make that decision. Right. Now you guys have a program um, and I, and I apologize. I, I saw it and I'm don't, I don't remember the details, but it's something sure. where Logan is pledging. Uh, on, is it on tackles he's making? I, I don't remember. Yeah. The yeah. We have a campaign called pledge it going on right now and you can find the link in our bio Logan's bio. Um, and what it is, is you can choose any dollar amount you want. And every, for every tackle Logan makes this season, you're pledging to donate that amount. So Logan has made his personal pledge of 123, his number's 23 dollars for every tackle he makes. Plus he went a little above and beyond and said he would donate 2,300 per interception he has this year. And then, you know, anybody can go on and choose an amount that they would like to donate. It could be 50 cents. It could be a dollar, could be more. And for every tackle he makes, each week that'll be debited from your, your card that you put on file and you're helping both our mission and dogs and cats in need. Have, and just, just overall, I mean, 
this this foundation I think has been going on what for how many years have you has been running for a little over four years okay this foundation was created literally the day we got back from our honeymoon right after we got married oh wow yeah crazy story (laughs) pretty neat pretty neat so in the four years that this foundation has been I mean are you seeing the type of payback, if you will, for lack of a better term, I guess return on investment might be a a better word for it. Or do you feel that, you know, it's just, you're just getting started and there's just so much more you you, you want to be able to do? I think both. I think we've seen such growth in our foundation that started out as something super small um, that we were just trying to find a way to help. And then when we realized the support we had behind it in these communities that we've worked in, um, and the way people embraced this cause and, and this foundation, um, we we definitely saw the, the potential that it could have. So I think we're somewhere in between right now. I think we've seen a ton of growth and we've helped a ton and done a lot. But there's you know, we're we're ambitious. There's always more that we want to do. And like I said, this COVID stuff has been difficult for us because we always you know, we just want to do more, more, more. And it's kind of put the brakes on a lot of things. But yeah, I think uh, I think we're in the middle, and I think we're we're proud of what we've done so far and how it's grown. Um, but we definitely see a big future in our long beyond even Logan's football career. All right, Giant fans, I want to thank Ashley Ryan for taking time to speak with me about the Ryan Animal Rescue Foundation. Um, I also want to send a shout out to Connie Kyle, who is the director of operations of RAF.org. Um, for all the assistance she gave me, as well as for being a wonderful sounding board. When I was uh, speaking about Molly, my experiences with my my rescue dog. And I want to thank you again for tuning in. I know this was a little different, but I hope you found this show to be something different, something light as we kind of get through a rough period here of Giants football. Hopefully things will get better. Of course, next week coming up, David Turner will be back with me on Monday. We'll break down the Giants Saint game. We also have a special bonus episode coming up with David Turner um, next week in which we're going to look at some plays that maybe Jason Garrett can incorporate in the offense to kind of, you know, jazz it up a little bit. David came up with a, a series of rub routes, and we're going to look at those breakdowns and discuss some of those plays. Tuesday, we're going to have our Twitter mailbag. Thursday, of course, is the crossover show with uh, the Dallas Cowboys guys. Um, And then Friday, we'll see where Friday takes us. But uh, busy week next week on the Locked on Giants podcast. Hope you will tune in. Until then, everybody, have a great weekend. Thank you so much for tuning in and making the Locked on Giants podcast your first listen of the day. Be sure to check out our other podcasts, Locked on Bets, Locked on NFL, Locked on Now, Locked on Draft. We've got so many. Check them out. Have a great weekend. We'll catch you in Monday.